Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and that Technicolor rainbow in between. Cool idea, cool excitement. Today. I'm Red Meccano, Senior Executive Vice Senior President of Shadaloo's Department of Treasury. All hail, Lord Bison! Of course! You can't give it up! It's showtime! Go for broke! Welcome back to the stage of history. Once again, with a riveting, exciting opportunity to chat with another esteemed colleague and a, uh, all truth be told, a uh, personal acquaintance, which uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to delve at the brain of the powers that be. So without further ado, mystery guest at the table. Who are you, and what do you do? I just happen to be Brian. Uh, you guys might know me better on the internet as HMI Bison Dollars, the guy behind uh, How Much in Bison Dollars, the Twitter account, and the YouTube channel. Yes! Yes! Yes, indeed. So, how much in Bison Dollars would you say is the net worth of the Renegade Roundup? Ooh, what's, what, what is it in uh, USD right now, would you say? <laughs> I, I, I need something to work with. Uh, you, you do, you do. I was, uh, oh, that's right, net worth, you have to have uh, like for like. Uh, so right now, currently, as far as revenue that has generated, that would be zero American dollars. However, revenue that has been sunk into this, including equipment and paying graphic designers, oh, probably about 2500 2500 so that comes out to... Uh... 360 bison dollars in debt. Nice. That sounds a lot better than $2,500 in debt. It certainly is. The bison dollar is very strong that way. <laughs> that is very fair. So, for those that may not know, you have a alter ego that you use in your, in my opinion, some of the best PSAs on the FGC YouTube sphere, personally. Yes, I play Red Meccano, Senior Executive, Vice Senior President of Shadaloo's Department of Treasury. Uh, he, he's just a lower-level executive in Shadaloo, specifically for their Department of Treasury. So he doesn't see any street fighting. He, he doesn't do any of that cool stuff. He has no powers. He's, he's just a pencil pusher, and he's very awkward in front of a camera. <laughs> you couldn't tell with just the, the way that the natural 80s PSA charisma, even like late 70s, early 80s, I would say, because uh, fun story, one of my old jobs actually still had a PSA video from like late 70s, early 80s. And you could tell because it was during that time frame when Star Wars was just getting out of style. And for their hazmat suits, they inserted Darth Vader breathing sounds. It was oh, quite fantastic. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were still using that video when I was working there in 2016. That's, 
That's pretty bad. I <laughs> I have quite the opposite experience. I, I work retail, and uh, for hours, it's they seem to update it like every year, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And they, they get worse and worse every year. Oh, see, I would have thought with the increased investment that the quality would have gone up. No, because, like, they still do this thing where they'll... It's actual Walgreens employees. Like, they're not actors at all. So maybe mm. it's just because I work with editing videos so much that I see the just how bad the quality is and you can like see every literally every single person looking just slightly off camera to read their <laughs> lines like nobody has their lines memorized they're all reading them off cue cards i'm assuming mm-hmm. and just the way that it's shot is just it's terrible it's it's absolutely horrible every single year they seem to make new ones for them though it reminds me of the politicians that don't have any uh production crew to like to to help out like that what was that one there was that one politician i think from colorado that you could tell it was just on a selfie cam because it picked up more wind than what he was actually saying and it's like screw it we had to do it in one take because you know it was commemorating it was in utah because it was like the day that the day that the great state of utah was founded or something i love it and uh they they had to do it in one take so you got more wind than was able to hear what he said, and nobody told him otherwise. That makes for the best stuff, though. Ultimately. It does. That's the vibe that I go for every time. It's, I have learned in the last few years from, uh, I, I do my best to try to stay away from, like, traditional news stuff, other than the Seattle Times when I'm reading that at work in between calls and all that. Internet Today has made me accept the way that things are, so it's just best to just instead of looking at the obituaries and the politics, just look at the oddities. The oddities of the world, because you can't make this stuff up. With everything that has happened in the last, you know, it's the last several years, more specifically within the last five or so, you can't write what life throws at you, which is an amazing kind of schadenfreude that is so Americana. Absolutely. It's, it's... Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure that the Germ. I'm sure that the Germans have a word for it that I can't think of. But yes, it is a different kind of Schadenfreude. Uh, things that are opposite of Schadenfreude. Let's get into the things that make us happy. So, Bison Dollars. What inspired you to make a Shadowloo character about a pencil pusher pushing Bison Dollars? There's there's a theme there, isn't there? There sure is. Essentially, it all just started off as I needed a framing device for this idea that I wanted to do anyways, which was just how much in bison dollars. I wanted to do something where I just take random items and tell you how much they are in this fictional currency from a 25-year-old movie that <laughs> that nobody has watched, I assume. Not, not these uh, days. Mm-mm. But, um... Yeah, it started off as just a one-line joke from a different series that I was doing before then, where I was actually looking at the Street Fighter cartoon series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a random part where Bison says that he's stolen an invisible jet and he's ransoming it off, so I just said how much that was in Bison dollars, and I thought, eh, that, that that's a cool thing. I could turn that into something, but then it took me like a year and a half to actually come up with something that had legs. Sure. And um, I'd probably say the thing that 
made me want to do that specific framing device was just looking at old YouTube poops, mm -hmm. looking at compilations of like really old PSA announcements or like you were mentioning earlier, training videos yep. for uh, different companies. The one that always comes to mind is, um, I think it's like Old Country Buffet. That one, <laughs> if, you, if you've seen that. I'm not sure if I have. Go ahead and elaborate for me, please. It's the one with the guy awkwardly at the carving table. Oh. Oh. If you remember that one. Was that basically like he was like way too into cutting the meat? Or was it just like the posturing? That and trying to be too personable while doing it. While cutting meat. It was, mm -hmm. it's, it's really awkward. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's. Did you catch a game last night? It's what I go for. That's what I want. I want old country buffet. It's that. I learned it by watching you. Aesthetic. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, just kind of going for that kind of. This was filmed, this is a PSA filmed on a VHS at like two in the morning. <laughs> and that's, that's what I wanted Bison Dollars to look like. It's, and it's fantastic. It's the, the thing, the thing that is most amazing about that is you are effectively making evergreen content because that is a timeless look. It sure is. It's also cheap. I don't have to have an expensive camera. Like, the camera that I'm working with is, like, no. 10 years old. I don't need to worry about shooting in 4K. I don't need a fancy microphone. My lighting sucks. The, my lights are falling the, uh, apart, but I barely need them. I, I need just enough, just enough that you can see me, because I'm just going to make it look like crap anyways. And I love that people try to emulate the retro look. You're actually doing it with period accurate hardware that's that's commitment right there <laughs> almost almost i wish i had like a 40 year old camera but uh <laughs> i'm working with a 10 year old one so close enough i guess it's close enough yeah you know it's like because you know modern technology is basically anything hd yeah so so standard definition is dirt to millennials and all that sure is but yeah no it uh yeah, no, it's 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 a fantastic gig. It always manages to put a smile on my face and seeing the uh the little moments on Twitter where it's like this thing is this much in bison dollars and it reminds me of like the creativity that the fighting game scene. That's the thing that I miss about traditional FGC content is the it's the expression of art and how creative people can be. Like I remember the thing that like really sold me on the level of commitment that the fighting game community had was the I Am Street Fighter documentary and talking about all the different ways that people have contributed in their own way, whether it be DJs, collectors, mural artists. I was, when season one of Street Fighter V came out, I was at the Red Bull Battlegrounds in Seattle and there were actual like graffiti wall murals and people selling skateboards with Street Fighter caricatures on it. Was, it was like an actual artist gallery within a Street Fighter event that reminded me of Frank Savage's The Wizard. It was, that is like that bottled, if I could bottle that feeling of euphoria that I had for just being there a day because... I, I drowned out in pools because Street Fighter V Season 1, me being Ken, but you know. Um, yeah, it was just when people get the aesthetic of Street Fighter right, there's very few things that can top that level of joy, in my opinion.
Yes. Just the wide variety of things that people bring to the table is, for me, it's the thing that I love the most about the fighting game community. And it's, it's a subject that comes up, I feel like, every now and then how people say that it feels like a lot of FGC content seems to revolve around top players streaming mm -hmm. or replays or combo videos and a lot of the other stuff kind of gets overlooked but for me i'm not sure that's that's the case in like a, a more general sense i feel like the other kind of stuff the artists the graffiti the music that's the stuff that ropes people in yes. to to enjoy the other stuff that top players or great combo video makers are making mm -hmm. it's 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 the gateway drug basically for sure yeah it's like there will never be a time where shinkiro's art never makes me happy it's just because yes. it's such a timeless aesthetic that you can recognize it anywhere and it's just that moment of recognition just elicits a certain glee a certain joyfulness that no matter what kind of funk i'm in in a day Shinkiro's art will get me out of it. It's, it's it's timeless. It's my well of what makes me happy is is the visuals of it. And you definitely hit it on the head that I think we are starting to see a bit less emphasis on the push buttons really well and get good mentality. And I'd like to believe that some people are waking up that the mentality of top tier or go home is not always, that's not always the way, Chief. Because I like expression, I like creative synergy, and sportsmanship and camaraderie above all else is what draws me to that. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that because I will never be a top player. It's just, just, not, in the, just not in the cards for me. Yeah, no, I tried. It's, it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, I've, that's why I said uh, when I had lead on us, no, I'm, I'm officially retired from any sense of competitive play if i can just foster the joy of fighting games and and bring someone in fighting games and pro wrestling i look at exactly the same way is that there has to be that gateway it's when it comes to anything i'm a firm believer in whatever gets you to the dance and no matter what that game is i'm not going to i'm not going to squash people's interest in a game because it's not the game that i would have chosen if it gets you in more power to you it could be Blaz Blue. It could be Fantasy Strike. It could be Marvel or Street Fighter EX. If it gets you curious and pushing buttons and figuring out how stuff works, that's a win in the community in my eyes. There's too much that you. It's impossible to not like at least something that's there. Yeah, and and I think uh, Core A videos really encapsulates that it's uh Ooh, yeah there's there's something for everybody and it's just you have to have the right direction like you have to have the right people to lead you in the direction and and fostering that curiosity it's just like uh, any uh, pursuit in uh, science or nature or anything of the like uh, you got to have the right people to sort of point you in the right direction for that yes absolutely and thankfully there there seems to be a lot more of that these days it's like, I, I will sing the praises of Serlin's project with Fantasy Strike that it's ingenious that you can have such entry-level simplicity, but without having it lack depth. And it teaches you the fundamentals of Yomi, just as the original game was designed to. It's taking Dive Kick in, like, the next 
logical step, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I have not gotten around to playing it yet, but it is definitely something that I'm interested in because I, I love dive kick so much. So seeing something just a little bit more than that built upon that sounds amazing to me. Yeah, and and the and the thing that's amazing is it. Whenever people say, "Oh, I didn't get into Street Fighter because I can't do the fireball motion," Fantasy Strike completely eliminates the execution barrier because it's you don't have crouch you can choose to jump or you can choose the jump button you have a attack b attack c attack and then that's it if jump is your d button effectively it's like a and d is your throw b and c is your super which super automatically gradually builds over time so like that one robot game that did exactly that where it just built the meter automatically Mm. And then you have neutral moves, and you have air moves. You don't have quarter turns, you don't have holding charge. In fact, the only character that implements a charge mechanic is Geiger, and it is treated like an autofill engage, where there are certain moves that will get rid of his gear, which is treated as a charge mechanic. And then it will just, you have to, if you move forward, you will lose any momentum from that gear. Makes sense. They did a lot of really smart things with um, teaching fundamentals, but not having those fundamentals be intimidating. I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of potential of like the next great Evo champion ten fifteen years from now could very well start with Fantasy Strike. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Speaking of uh, fighting games, what are some of your favorites that got you into the dance? Got me into the dance. It would have to... I mean, Street Fighter is the obvious one for me. I started when I was like six years old playing Super Street Fighter 2 on the SNES. Mm -hmm. um, that is probably the game that I've logged the most hours in just over time. Sure. Um, when I was a I probably got into Mortal Kombat. Was really into Ultimate MK3. Okay. Um, Street Fighter 4 put so much time into that game. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's probably my favorite fighting game. And beyond that, I'm... no, that that that's that's mostly like what I've logged the most hours in what i would consider like the games that really kind of influenced me the most and kept me here the longest for sure for sure yeah those those are all great selections of stuff i'm uh i think i'm not too much older than you you may potentially be older than me my first i'm 34 <laughs> 36 so i'm not that ah, much there older we go mm -hmm. so there we uh, go. so uh my first was street fighter 2 turbo for the super nintendo Nice, and uh, that's what uh, what kept me in my. I I say that my one A and one B for uh, fighting games is Alpha Three and CVS Two. Oh, those are good. <laughs> and uh, number two is Street Fighter Four. Can't go wrong with that. And and I specifically say my cutoff point is Super Four, because the additions going into Arcade Edition, I have a unyielding, unbridled, unnatural loathing for Yun and Yang, personally. I know that feeling. It's 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 quite the feeling. It's palpable. And then that was also AE 
AE 2012, and then especially going into Ultra when they just, what is this Street Fighter Cross Tekken doing in my Street Fighter 4? <laughs> and and the thing that also really irked me the most was my mains, my lifelong mains are Ken and Chung Lee, and they screwed with the gravity, with the physics of Ken's Air Tatsu in Ultra 4. And I think it may have even started at Arcade Edition. Because you used to, in Vanilla 4, be able to take an Air Tatsu and go all the way across the screen. And then when you EX it, you just go across the screen faster and harder. And um, in Ultra, what they did is, when you use Light Tatsu in the air, you get the most spins. Heavy Tatsu gets you the least amount of spins. And when you EX that, where you EX becomes your apex and you fall down faster from that point where you trigger the EX. That's a lot. That's uh, quite a lot. And that also adds to my frustration on like, they did it again in 5. I do not like the way that Ken's Tatsu in 5 was treated. And that was... The less that I talk about how much I bash my head against the wall with 5, the better. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll... Be That'll be quite the editorial someday, but I'm not going to damper on anybody's fun who who is actively enjoying 5, especially since we have the last character was announced for 5. And, I mean, what has what has the newest iteration of Street Fighter meant to you? Street Fighter 5. It's... I did... I Right from the beginning, I felt like I did not enjoy it as much as 4, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I found it very difficult to find a character that I really enjoyed mm -hmm. at the beginning through Street Fighter 4. I mostly played Vega and Jury, and Ooh. the way they changed Vega was really, really weird, considering I, I'd say I was probably a, a lifelong Vega main from all the way from 2 up till 4, so... Seeing him changed up the way he was in 5 took a lot of getting used to, and I wasn't really sure that I liked it all that much. Sure. And then when Jury came in, they changed her completely around too. She plays nothing like she does in 4, and, and her version in 4 is incredible to me. It's one of my favorite characters of all time. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up settling for Armika, which was a absurdly bizarre choice, because I'd never played a grappler with any kind of dedication before that, but... I made it work. You know what's funny is you mentioned about avoiding grapplers this whole entire time. I compromised with Geef for similar reasons. I wanted to try to get his uh, V1 to work because I think it's just really funny that he just turns beat red and absorbs impacts. The funniest patch note when I was actively following the updates and all that was when he pops V-Trigger... And he uses that V skill where he flexes and walks forward. They nerfed where he, at one point, he could absorb 100 hits while in that V triggered flex mode. That's hilarious. They nerfed it down to 50. This is where we play. Because he's going to take that many hits. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I will, I will say that if Street Fighter V reminded me of anything, it was, it was how much I appreciated 
in in a small subtle way i have gained a, a further appreciation to geef and bison I think it's just all of the times that in Alpha 3 going through Shin Bison in Final Boss Mode that just... Brave or Grave still... When the bass drops, in when Brave or Grave starts, that's also when my heart sinks into my throat. <laughs> the, the, the amount of times that I have sparred with Shin Bison in Street Fighter Alpha 3, it's... It's like he's up there with Perfect Cell as like, Perfect Cell and Sigma from the Mega Man X series are up there with my favorite villains of all time. Solid choices. Just because of how imposing and just, and the music especially just really sells it for me. It's like Brave or Grave is up there with God Rugal's theme from CBS 2. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking like just that whole that whole soundtrack in general mm, is just incredible. Mm, mm, so good, so good, and and just I love that like Alpha Three took a chance because it was it was the established music the entire way through, but they did something completely different for Alpha Three, and that just makes it especially timeless for me. I wish they went back to the Alpha 3 well with the music a little bit more in future games, and it feels like they never did. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Like, some of my favorite video game music, and I would I would probably say the more I've been listening to it, my 1A and 1B for soundtracks, as much as I loved CVS2, there's only, like, select number of music in that that resonates with me. There's actually more tracks in the Street Fighter EX series that sort of give me more of that homely feeling than CVS2. But my 1A and 1B for soundtracks, Alpha 3 and Tekken 7. I actually really enjoy the, the Namco wub dub that they put into the, the new aesthetic for, um, for uh, Tekken 7. It's, it's, and, and that goes way back to Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 is like criminally underappreciated in my book because the music for a Pac-Man game is way more hype than it should be. Understandable. But that was also, again, when they were trying to do new things to reinvigorate the series. They did so many good things with the 30th and 35th anniversary, it's amazing that they tripped the ball with 40th, but... You know, they were trying to go with the... bring back the, uh, the kids that grew up with it back in the heyday, and the culture clash just didn't work for me with that. Uh, I mean, it happens. It does. You're not going to win everyone. No. No, you are not. What are what are some of some other franchises that bring that bring joy and happiness to your life? Early two thousands King of Fighters. Mm -hmm. Just any of I'd say two thousand to two thousand two ish. I I love that grouping of games right there. Mm -hmm. It mostly makes me feel nostalgic a little bit for the time when I was actually playing those games. Um, it was like just after I got a PlayStation 2 and I was going back and playing a lot of games that I didn't have a chance to play because I didn't own a PlayStation 1. Sure. And um, just discovering King of... It was the very first time I'd ever really played King of Fighters. I think King of Fighter 2000 was probably my very first King of Fighters game. 99 so, was my first. 
Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, so yeah, those those games in particular just make me feel really great. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest Samurai Showdown, I love that game so much. I I wish it played better online. Same, which I Big feel like same. is just everybody's complaint with that game. It's mm-hmm. it's such a good game, but like I. It's not worth it waiting like five minutes to find a match, and then the match isn't even that good. No. And then it takes you another ten minutes to find a match. It's just, it's the worst. <laughs> I really, really hope that once, uh, oh, I, for- I forget what it is. Like, there, there's always that last patch update where there's the certain, the DRM gets removed or what have you. I hope that... There will come a time where fan servers will be able to give Sam Show a second chance. And it deserves it. It does. It absolutely does. I've been, when it comes to Sam Show games, I've been a Charlotte main for life. There always seems to be, like, that one character, no matter what the series is, that I just stick with. And I've noticed more and more that a lot of them are holy origin characters, which is weird especially because I don't consider myself that religious nowadays, but uh, it was Charlotte in Sam Show and Kai in the Guilty Gear series have been my lifelong mains as long as Ken has. Okay, okay. Yeah, so. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Charlotte's great. I especially love, when I was very first labbing with her, I found out that when when you throw her, when you throw her sword down, she gains a running wheel kick. Oh, okay. That that does like two to three hits, and can actually go over uh, small ground-based projectiles. It's hilarious. I don't think I've actually seen that used before. I did not <laughs> run it's into probably a, not that good. <laughs> probably, I did not run into a whole lot of Charlottes playing it. I I mostly played. I I started with Shiki because I thought she would kind of play like Jury because she kind of looks like Jury with the color scheme. Didn't didn't really do it for me. I ended up going with uh, Rui Shang, the Shield Girl. Mm, yep. And mm-hmm. sh- I, that's a character trope I'll never get tired of. Just the fighting game character that is not a fighting person. Right. Love it. It's like in Arcana Hearts, the uh, the librarian and the girl with the broom and all that. Yes. Talk about like an underutilized anime game. I don't see a whole lot of footage from. The Arcana Heart series. I know very little of it. I don't think I've ever actually played it myself. I think I've just seen footage of it. <laughs> I was that crazy person that pre-ordered when they made a PS2 port back in... two. Th- so 2008 was when we got a PS2 port of an arcade-perfect version of Arcana Hearts. That's late to the party, but I it's- guess... <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, we never, at, at least in the states, there was, uh, there was the um, Arcana Hearts three, and Love Max version, which I don't know if we ever got a physical version of that in the states. I know there was a very limited run in the UK, but um, but yeah, the Arcana Hearts games are very solid. I I kind of wish that it got the level of reputation that Melty Blood or um. Or even to a lesser extent, Chaos Code. Chaos Code is also great. Those are two others that I have no experience with hands-on. It's because there's so many fighting games. Probably. Probably. <laughs> and just in general, anime fighters, I've, I've, 
I have not really penetrated it whatsoever. I played a little Guilty Gear in like the PlayStation 2 era, I think with XX. Sure. And I think I had a, a Blaze Blue game on like my 3DS, but that's that's about it. Maybe, uh, Persona Arena. Yep, Persona Arena is a good one. That's a good one. That's but, a fantastic uh, one. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think my that's that's the extent of my like anime fighting experience. Yeah, it's it's because there's so much of it, and I would say out of all the genres of fighting games, the anime franchise can be the most intimidating because especially nowadays, like you look at like later Blaz Blue games and to a to a lesser extent the crossover games with like Blaz Blue Cross Tag, it seems like every character has their own unique system in place. And especially with the visuals of Melty Blood and all that, it can it can be like really visually distracting because there's so much to keep track of. Yes. That's where it is with me. It 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 feels too fast for me. Like even Marvel versus Capcom games, I feel like they're a little bit too much. I went kind of deep with Marvel versus Capcom 3 and even then I hit a glass ceiling very early into rank, yes. so mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love those kind of games, but I I'm n- I can't do them. <laughs> it's it's the same way that I felt about Dragon Ball Fighters. Like I love I love everything about it. I am so trash at that game. Mm. Um it's it's because for me it's I don't know if if it was something that I explained to somebody or it was explained to me when I was trying to figure out synergy for uh MVC3, but effectively instead of Instead of getting in your brain that you have one complete character, your team of three is effectively like you're making a Voltron of one character. And the tagins and the assists and all that, they make the synergy which completes the mega character that is your team. And I think that was like the wall I was running into with uh, Battle for the Grid as well, is it's a solid game. I just can't figure out synergy to save my life. And TODs are... The name of the game in that, and if you're not TODing, then see you later. Thanks for playing. That's that's surprising. It didn't. I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen enough of that game, but it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's one of those kind of games. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, it's well, it's it has like MVC levels of synergy, but also Smash level of execution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So it's the only that's characters weird. that. Yeah, it's so the only characters that have like a traditional quarter turn motion and all that are oddly enough the two most recent characters they introduced, which is uh Ryu Ranger and Chung Lee Ranger. Uh makes sense. It's they they pulled the uh the Terry and Smash with those two. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts with uh how how many fighting game established characters have infiltrated Smash? It's wonderful. I love it so much. Just seeing those kind of characters get that kind of representation. And the thing mm-hmm. the thing that I love the most is somebody's going to look at those characters and wonder where they're from mm-hmm. and then look up where they're from and then hopefully that gets them into fighting games just in general beyond Smash and that's mm-hmm. that's incredible. Like my girlfriend has um has a kid that plays Smash and he has no idea who Terry Bogard is, but just the fact that he's in that game means he he he's probably he might play a Fatal Fury game one of these days. <laughs> yes, and we'll have to just nod and smile when it's oh, it's Terry from Smash. Yes, yes, it's Terry from Smash. It is. It's 
It's uh, it's like how people were going nuts about about oh, it's the Iron Giant from Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. Of course it mm-hmm. is. Not from anything else. <laughs> uh so we have uh spoken uh, extensively on how I, I feel like we we kind of have the same or at least similar synergy as far as uh, our our fighting game time our our time lapse goes with discovering fighting games and the joys therein. But what about pro wrestling? What does something like pro wrestling mean to a treasury accountant of Shadowloo? It is one again one of my earliest passions. It probably happened to me right around the same time I got into fighting games. I f- I feel like I'm one of those people that found the things that he liked when he was seven years old and just stuck with that for the rest of his life. It's pretty much been martial arts movies, pro wrestling, fighting games. Like th- those are those are my three things right there, and I found them at a very young age, and I just stuck with them. So yeah, I got into wrestling and like. 92, 93, mm-hmm. like early new gen era WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched mostly through the Attitude Era, but actually I didn't watch WWF in the Attitude Era. I actually stuck with WCW through the whole thing up right, until right. the tail end of it. I got back into WWF. Sure. And then kind of fell off uh, during during like 2002 onward. I got back in here and there in like 2007, 2008. Watched some TNA. Okay. Got into a bunch of smaller indie promotions. Watched Japan stuff. Came back to WWE, and it's it's been kind of random ever since then. Sure, it's and uh, the thing is, is there's there's so much to keep track of in pro wrestling. It's uh it's arguably like I've I've mentioned from time to time that the parallels between the pro wrestling scene and the fighting game community scene it's almost a circle with just the the crossover appeal and similar trajectories as far as the amount of growth that both industries have had where there's so much content in pro wrestling and there's so many games to choose from in fighting games it's like trying to get a marvel fan invested in the first time it's it's, if if somebody if a newbie came out and said i watched the the marvel movies and i want to get into comic books where do i start that's a very daunting question sure is so that's like that's how i kind of feel about certain aspects of pro wrestling it's like if somebody is wanting to get into it there are so many flavors there's so many different styles of it you can't keep up with all of it nope and that is the difficulties that i'm having these days mm-hmm. <laughs> so pretty much i just end up watching just whatever makes me happy i i i can't keep up with whatever is going on tv on a week-to-week basis i haven't for years it just i tried to it became way too much for me and it actually like stressed me out a little bit trying to keep yep. up with things so i kind of reduced and reduced and reduced until the point that i was just watching like just the pay-per-views once a month and then even then i kind of dropped off on that until i watched just like the main four and now it's just i'll get around to it when i get around to it sure yeah no that's that's absolutely fair 
there's so much content that it's it's so overwhelming to to try that. It's almost like keeping up with all the the DLCs and all the fighting passes uh, in fighting games. There's so many, there's so much new content. There's so many different metas to keep track of. That's why I got out of CCGs. Is just good luck trying to keep up with something like Hearthstone or Magic because of just all the all the changes that uh, that go around with that. But uh, but yeah, I, I totally don't blame you that there's there's so much content to keep up with. So you have you have Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK. That's just in the WWE side of it. That is televised programming. Plus their progress library. You then have AEW, which they're now t- two times a week. And then you have Ring of Honor with their show, wherever you can find it. Impact, same thing, wherever you can find it. New Japan, uh, Stardom, Shine, and then the plethora of independent promotions. IWTV, each individual indie promotion having their subscription service. So yeah, it's I don't blame you. So it's the same way with whatever gets you to the dance with fighting games. Sometimes all it takes is just one wrestling personality and then you just follow them and just celebrate where they go to and it's like talk about characters in pro wrestling i'm convinced that somebody like warhorse or danhausen or big calyx why aren't they fighting game characters for real <laughs> it's i i've said so many times like how how has nobody put like asuka in a fighting game yet she's she's literally a fighting game character just throw her in like tekken or something and she's a perfect fit in that Mm -hmm. but yeah no everybody that you just mentioned too same thing like how how hasn't it happened there should be more crossover with that kind of thing yeah it's i feel i felt like we got a taste of it with the tekken 7 and yakuza crossover stuff yes it's not enough there definitely, there definitely needs to be more. It's, it is criminal that WWE Immortals, helmed by NetherRealm Studios, was limited to mobile, and we never got a console port of it. Yep, big agree. When I heard about that, I was pretty excited, and then finding out it's just a thing on a phone, and it's not even that good on the phone. It's, it's uh... unfortunately they took the engine of that, and then there's the injustice. Dave and Buster arcade games oh, where you get like the cards and all yep, that. I've played one of those before. It was depressing. <laughs> I for a for a hot minute I was col- I was just putting money in for the cards because you can do that. You can be that collector and just I don't want to play the game, I just want to get the cards. And it's <laughs> it is actually pretty creative that like there is actually synergy with the teams that you put together and it's like yeah, if this was an actual fighting game, it'd be amazing. But uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not a fan of uh, whack and bull Dave and Buster's take on what a fighting game should be. Yeah, unfortunately. Before we continue for the rest of the interview, I feel like it's important to talk about Free Marvel vs. Capcom 2. As some of you may or may not know, the hashtag free MVC2 movement is alive and well, so I figured we would reminisce a little bit and talk about the thing that makes us happy with arguably the most influential game probably of all time. So, what does Marvel vs. Capcom 2 mean to you? For me, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was the last bastion 
collection of that golden era of fighting games. For the most part, my general group of friends that I grew up with, middle school, high school, I was always kind of the fighting game guy and everyone just drifted along to whatever. Earlier, we did all kind of play fighting games because fighting games were the cool thing, but turned out I was really the only fighting game guy. I stuck with it the whole time. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was the last game that me and some of my friends played together. There were a couple moments during Xbox days like Dead or Alive 3 where there was kind of a small resurgence of my friends being interested in fighting games, but for the most part, it was Marvel vs. Capcom 2. That seems to be the game that brings a lot of people together. Us following it in the early development, you had X-Men Children of the Atom, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter, and the inevitable conclusion of Marvel vs. Capcom 1, and then putting that same formula on steroids and giving us Marvel vs. Capcom 2. You can even see to this day that the influence of Marvel vs. Capcom is so huge. It is a part of our pop culture zeitgeist. You have graphics in the National Basketball Association were made in honor of Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It has arguably the same type of effect that Andre the Giant did after his passing in the mid to late 90s into early 2000s. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 means so many things for so many different people. My first exposure to it was at our local mall back when you had your hole-in-the-wall arcade. Everybody was always around the big Marvel vs. Capcom 2 with the large screen that took up almost the entire wall. Everybody was crowding to play it. That was the game that always got the most love during that time. And the console ports, you couldn't keep it on the shelf because everybody was getting into Marvel vs. Capcom 2. I remember trying to find my own copy when it came out and it was not easy to find even at that time. My exposure to it first was on console. It was just one of those games that my friend picked up and was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta play this. Mm -hmm. And we did. And you did indeed. And many people have for over 20 years. So why is Marvel's Capcom 2 relevant again? The easy answer is that it's a timeless classic, that there will always be hype for Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm -hmm. But what happened to this franchise that has always brought the hype? Why is there suddenly no hype with my Marvel vs. Capcom? And a huge component of that is the purchase of Marvel through Disney and how they have such tight control of the property itself. To the point where why Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is relevant again comes from none other than Maximilian. If you want to buy Marvel vs. Capcom 2, there is no way for you to go and purchase Marvel vs. Capcom 2. What I'm trying to build up awareness for is that Marvel vs. Capcom 2 has not been normally purchasable or available in anything beyond its 720p release. It's been 13 years since Marvel vs. Capcom 2 has been re-released in any way. In that video, Maximilian talks about it's been pulled completely from the digital market. To, and even if you attempted to get the physical redeeming code, that expired three years ago. When it comes to ways on modern hardware to get into Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you just can't. You have to either go the emulation route or you have to pay hundreds of dollars for a physical copy from the secondhand market. One of the most celebrated games of all time sent to digital jail. Tragic. Absolute tragedy. It is absolutely a tragedy, and the people are making their voices heard. Just to give you an idea, that tweet from Maximilian has already 33,000 likes, 24,000 RTs, his video 200,000 views, and anything free MVC2 related is generating more and more buzz. The people are letting their voices be heard. You have Justin Wong, who is certainly no stranger to the game, arguably the authority when it comes to Marvel's 
Capcom 2, there was a ratio system that Justin Wong pioneered to try to get more love for other characters below God tier, doing it effectively like a CVS2 ratio system. Having the longevity of such a beloved game is very important, and the most important thing about that is developers making the game more accessible. Yes. Always, always. I love ratio systems in any kind of team-based game. They're so wonderful. It is, because it's, it's another one of those things that encourages creativity. And speaking of creativity, we talk about the artists and the musicians that get into the dance. You do just a random search for hashtag free MVC2. The artists, the musicians, including Natsu Fuji, which his remix with Kaiju Dadan is playing right now in support of the free MVC2 movement. Find Natsu Fuji on Spotify right now. That are coming out in full swing, showing love for MVC2. We are just a couple of dudes on the internet that want this game to thrive and survive. It is a cultural mainstay in any aspect of the fighting game community. Yes, absolutely. Even just a small, simple, I want to take you for a ride just brings all sorts of smiles to people in my life because I constantly quote that anytime I can, anytime I can fit it in. It's almost like it's the secret code for the cool kids club. If you know Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you're going to ask, are you going to take me for a ride? That's how it's been for the people in my life for at least the last 10 years. They're going to know about it because I'm going to say it. And if you don't know, you're going to find out. Probably, yeah. I was never particularly really good at the game. For me, it's the variety of the characters just makes it such a blast. The selection of characters. It's one of the best rosters of all time. And it's just fun to push buttons in that game, even if you're not great at it, which I'm certainly not great at the game. It still is just fun to jump around and push buttons and see what works and what doesn't and nobody can walk away from it from having a bad time exactly just seeing the things happening on screen for me is always wonderful like i like to break out serve bot every now and again just because i know whoever i'm playing against it will make them laugh just a little bit it'll still catch somebody and that's the thing about mvc2 is that people keep coming back to it because there's constantly new things to discover about it there's constantly new tech new interactions and people that are inspired by it all the time i would like to start a twitter hashtag and a campaign which is hashtag free mvc2 the last official released version of the game of it being unreleased unavailable and unpurchasable to get as many people to remind marvel and capcom how important marvel versus capcom 2 actually is to you how much do you love marvel 2 and give them a reason to bring that back. I want to get as many Marvel vs. Capcom 2 fans, people that would be interested in buying a MVC2 re-release on modern day systems, something that would at least allow us to enjoy the game together in the modern day. Hashtag free MVC2 to get Marvel vs. Capcom 2 back out of jail. Free Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Free Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So what are some other things in the pro wrestling and fighting game sphere that you wish more people drew attention to? Things... I'm not entirely sure. There's... It, it feels... It feels like there's already so much stuff out there already. Like, I've actually wanted to do some sort of 
wrestling thing on my YouTube channel for years now, and I've never been able to really come up with something because if it feels like anything that I'd want to do, somebody is already doing it, and they're mm. doing it a lot better than I probably could, so I haven't bothered. Um, especially with wrestling, it feels like there is there's so many great creative people out there doing mm -hmm. some really amazing stuff, like. I religiously watch uh, OSW Review, I'll watch Wrestling with Regret, I'll mm -hmm. watch Wrestling Bios, just, and then just the litany, the, the sheer amount of podcasts out there for every, any genre of wrestling that you could like is astounding, and mm -hmm. there's already so much wrestling stuff that I feel like it's, you really gotta dig to find something that is original that somebody's not doing something that's kind of weird and out there mm -hmm. and that won't get a dmca flag yeah that too that that's another issue that uh, is a uh, reason why i don't really want to deal with it that much yeah that's that seems to be the uh the the common setback for a lot of creators is like you just have to know what creators are kind of notorious for striking down stuff it's uh yeah, it's, it's quite the beast. Let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Is talk about the what uh what is uh behind the creative process and what uh what gets your what goes on behind the camera that that brings inspiration to what you do. It is a number of uh ridiculous things. Usually it's just a case of uh I have to do a video. What what, what am I going to do it on uh I'll... Usually it's me walking in like a grocery store and thinking, what can I make jokes about about this thing? Sure. Um, I think I've said before, I did an episode on uh, how much in Bison Dollars on baking soda. And it's literally just because my girlfriend said, hey, you should do an episode on baking soda. There's like, <laughs> there's like a ridiculous list of like things you can do baking soda for. And you can literally just like demonstrate those. And that could be just the whole video. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. And that was a baking soda video. Um, fighting game, just merch, because I want to bring attention to fighting games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll do pretty much anything that's fighting game related. Um, politics i'll do stuff on politics sure i've done like how much is the american dollar worth how much is minimum wage i've done things on masks during the pandemic just cleaning stuff related to the fighting game community personal hygiene products mm -hmm. seems to make up like a good maybe fourth of uh, the videos i've put out hoping somebody takes some hints mm-hmm we can only hope. We have, if there's one thing that I have learned about internet culture and the hive mind of said internet culture is that subtlety and sarcasm are not people's strong suits. Yeah, unfortunately. Usually the concept of videos will come from, I want to say this thing, what's a product that'll let me say this thing? Correct. It's more that the the writing process comes before I actually know what I'm doing. I just need to find something that fits whatever I want to do with that video. And the thing is, you have a character that you have creative license to say those things with. Sure do. So you can always be like, oh no, it wasn't me that said the things. It was Mr. Red. <laughs> it's a Shadowloo point of view of uh, the fighting game community of American life. Correct. 
it does let me play around with that a little bit. I can feign ignorance mm -hmm. on things that obviously I know about, but this person from a foreign country might not. Right. It's the wink-wink, nudge-nudge of the views expressed in this video may not be a whole representation of what Shadowloo's opinions are on this matter. Eh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it getting a little messy like that, because sure. there is a small sense of responsibility that I feel when it comes to that stuff, considering the type of character that I'm playing. I'm, I'm a cog in a military dictatorship machine hell-bent on world domination. I don't want somebody that actually has those views looking at my videos and going, yeah, that guy! It's like, no, no, that-, that Right. I am not for you, guy. <laughs> this is quite the opposite. I am making fun of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, uh, I am saying this thing directly to you, wink. Oh, I get it. Wink. No, no, no. But not actually, though. Oh, no, but I get it. Wink, wink. No, but actually, no. Yeah, I do try to make that as clear as I can with what I'm doing, because, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it, it gets a little awkward wearing that many skulls on your uniform. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is not an actual headcount, contrary to popular belief. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, people are strange when you're a stranger. All, all the all the customer service jobs that I have had is uh, I have learned that people don't listen and people don't like to read. No, no, they don't. Never. What are some uh, some stories that you can share from your civilian work experiences? Retail hell. Okay. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going my, there. Yeah, I know, right? Um, the one that always gets me the most is. And it's a really small one, but it's one of those things that it just digs into me. And I've never gotten it out of my system at all, no matter how many times I actually tell people it. It's, uh -huh. it's just something as simple as somebody on a, like a touchscreen kiosk where you have to type information in. And mm -hmm. a gentleman was typing on the kiosk at some point, and I was aisles away doing whatever I was doing, stocking shelves or helping another customer or whatever. So, and this gentleman sought me out, however far away I was from the kiosk. Mm -hmm. And he asks me, how do you type 40? And oh, I just froze in place, and the words that came out of my mouth came out very slow because I didn't know any simpler way to explain it and I, I just said to him type 40 and then he just <laughs> stares at me for a couple seconds and goes oh and then he went back to the kiosk and typed 40 i assume because he didn't ask me for anything after that and uh i, I, don't, I don't and and the thing is it's not like this is like some 80 year old person that's never used a kiosk before in their life and they don't know what a touch screen is like this is somebody that was Maybe, like, a couple years older than me, but not that much. Like, this is somebody that's probably used something like this before. They know how to type the number 40, the 4 and the 0. And, uh, yeah, that one. That can only one, hope. That one never... That one never leaves the system. That's always there. There's, there's a few in my system, because definitely the best stories that I have, arguably... I survived two years at a, uh, we have a, a couple of, uh, we don't have Kroger out here, but we have 
Kroger-owned franchises. So I survived two years at one of those. I danced around in like four or five different positions because I was going to go stir-crazy if I stayed in one for too long. Um, my first eight months, I was working in the deli. And so people like to get their chicken, but some people don't know how chicken works. And this younger person, I'm, I'm not even going to... I'd probably say teens, early 20s, perhaps, listening through everything through her AirPods being, like, not quite all there. What kind of chicken do you want? What kind of chicken do you have? So then I have to list off the parts. We have breasts, legs, thighs, and wings. Is that it? Unless you want to cross-engineer some new parts, we don't have any necks or gizzards or beaks or anything like that. Looking for those internal organs, I guess. Looking for the internal organs. Do you want something else? Do you want something that's not quite a wing or a leg? What is it that you're looking for? I don't understand. Was biology not your strong suit? Yeah, listening is definitely not a strong suit to some people. I will say also... You know, people will say that uh, you can definitely judge somebody based on the way that they treat animals and children. I would also argue how they treat machines. Because the number of people that have yelled at a self-checkout machine to shut up baffles me. Yeah. Especially when there is a mute button that you can just push it and be nice about it. You know, but I, I did some I did some loose cocktail napkin math, and one day I was just curious. I'm like, how long has the UPC been around? The standard barcode of pretty much any transaction ever in the history of existence apparently was only invented in 1974, which <laughs> means that somebody that survived the Great Depression when they were a kid or whatever, that system was not implemented until they were in their 40s or 50s. When I was working in the year of our Lord Bison 2017 through 2019, those people would have been 70 to 80 years old when Kroger decided that they were going to push self-checkout machines and the people that are designated to work at Kroger are not supposed to help people with the self-checkout machines. Oh, that's asking for disaster. Mm-hmm. I have had multiple old people just drop their completely filled shopping carts and just walk away. Because the self-checkout machines were clear on the other side of the store where the people were. And they did not want to walk. So they just walked away. <sighs> because America. Yeah, that's just retail in general, I gotta assume. It is. It is. It hasn't gotten better. I wish that there was more sympathy and understanding but if the pandemic era has taught me anything people people should not should just not i i have uh, i have just 
uh, there's there's a, a limited focus. I have had to put my blinders on so much to just keep that dark huddle at bay, and uh, just not. I just don't. Yeah, because I don't have I don't have the time and energy for that anymore. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, to be a little bit more specific, I actually work in a retail pharmacy. So, okay. Pandemic has been very kind to us. That's good to hear. Yeah. So it's, it starts off with, uh, you know, we start doing our tests, COVID, COVID tests. Sure. And, you know, that's just another thing that everybody in the pharmacy needs to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we start doing vaccines and they're scheduled vaccines by appointment only. That's just great. Um, Mm -hmm. and that actually, that's, that system worked out pretty well. It was like one person every 15 minutes or something, one appointment, which was very generous. I thought, there you go. And then that number goes up to two every 15 minutes. And then that number goes up to three every 15 minutes. And then suddenly we're taking walk-ins Yep. and you add in all of that testing ramps up. Um, cases are getting bigger. People aren't getting vaccinated. So they're getting sick, more tests. Mm-hmm. More people getting vaccinated after that, and it's a damn mess, and we can't keep people, and the new people that we're getting in, we're trying to train as best as they can, but they're literally being thrown into the deep end. Yep. The deepest end that it has ever been. And that doesn't exactly help people stay either. So it's 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 wonderful. It's a wonderful time to get involved in retail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect of honoring our heroes, as we say in air quotes, because there there, <laughs> there was a moment where I was like, there may be hope yet, and then my hopes are quickly dashed. But the other side of this, which I really love, is the mass walkout of entry-level positions. I can, yes. I, I love seeing that, where it's, uh, bye Felicia, we all quit, all that kind of stuff. And I had the there's a franchise we have it here called Potbellies and they make pretty good sandwiches and when i started my job i got to try them for all of a month because the word on the street was that the manager of that particular store was going to mandate that the employees wear masks but not the customers so they just turned out all the lights, locked up, and never came back. And I'm like, yeah, bravo. Good on them. I'm, Good on them. It feels like that's kind of just a standard thing across the board. Like our job has that too, where technically we mandate that customers have to wear masks, but we're, we're not going to enforce it and no. I don't I don't get paid enough to enforce it frankly. I'm I'm a retail employee. I am not a damn security guard. I'm not going to get into a fight with somebody over yeah, this. Yeah, it's even with uh when I worked at Kroger, no shoes, no shirt, no service is still a suggestion. Mm. Which uh especially in the certain parts of town where I worked, it's it's yeah, there's so many times where I just wish I wish we could enforce that. I wish we could enforce masks. I wish we could enforce actual service animals. Because the people that decide to bring their purse dog as their service animal 
no, that's clearly not doing the job. You need to stop that. But uh, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just one person. I just work here. I just work here. I'm not paid <laughs> enough to make those decisions. Believe me, there would be more yep. bodyguards involved if there were. Mm -hmm. If it was up to me, I would have the bouncer like in uh, Cats Don't Dance. <laughs> you need to put your mask on. Oh, boy. It's a hell of a life. It's Gosh, man, it's... Uh, and anybody who's struggling through retail that's listening, we've been there. We understand. I'll say. It's not the best in the world, but trust me, it will get better. It has to. It has to, right? We only have 30 years to get it right, right? Can only go up from here. <laughs> yes. Of course! Speaking of going up, what are some video game things that are on the horizon that you are most excited for? Nothing. 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 Tra-la-la. Because I can't keep up with video games, I'm playing old games. Because okay. that's what I feel comfortable with right now. That is very fair. What are some old games that you are jazzed to lab in or get into? I have started playing Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh, it's okay. one of, it's one of the few games like back on the 360 that I 100%ed and it's been a while since I played that game, so I thought, ah, I'll go back and play it again on the PS4. Sure. And I am thoroughly enjoying it a whole lot. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That was a wonderful game when it came out. Um I am playing Freedom Wars on the Vita. If, oh. if you heard of that game, <laughs> Uh, I know Advance Wars. I'm not the most familiar with Freedom Wars. Freedom Wars. It's kind of like a like a Monster Hunter ish type of game, but it's like really sci-fi, and you're fighting robots instead of monsters. Mm-hmm. And like the whole premise is, you're basically uh, a prisoner, and your your slave labor that you're working off your sentence for is going out and hunting these monster these robot monsters that are like stealing your country's citizens to other countries it is i was just doing a quick google search the visuals look really cool it is a wild game it is really good it's unfortunately trapped on the vita but yep. uh it's it's a really great vita exclusive if you have a vita i i beat it uh a while ago, again, it's one of those games where it's like, I remember playing that game. I really enjoyed it. I don't think I 100%ed it. I'm going to go back and play it again. There you go. There you go. And then uh, beyond that, I, I'm probably going to start up a JRPG at some point. I still need to play Trails of Cold Steel 2. There's still Ooh. remasters of Final Fantasy 8 and Final Fantasy 9 that I haven't played yet. Mm -hmm. I need at least one of those as kind of like my calm down, chill out, relax game. Because the there other you ones, go. they're a little, uh, they can get a little intense. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, just when I was uh, looking up the Freedom Wars game you mentioned, what immediately, I know it's a completely different setting, but what it first, first impression was, Rogue Galaxy for PS2. I don't believe I know that one. It is basically a space pirate game. Galaxy. Google Sounds to the rescue. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I remember back when... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, back when PlayStation used to have their loyalty 
subscription club thing where you got demo discs in the mail. Remember demo discs? I love demo discs. <laughs> demo discs are great. There was, uh, I, I foolishly, foolishly gave my demo disc of Rogue Galaxy, which also included a flag to my roommate at the time. And I'm, uh, I've been jonesing to, to give uh, Rogue Galaxy another shot. I think there is a PS2 classic port on PS3? Question mark. Mm, I think. I don't have a PS3. I could uh, maybe maybe I'll get lucky and a PS2 copy will be cheap enough. I just recently got my PS2 running so I can you know record some oh, there really you go. sick Fight Club footage. Nice. There you go. Yeah, I've been uh, the games that I've been simmering down with. Uh, Fightcade has just been a godsend when it comes to, oh, I don't know what I want to play. Oh, here's a list of things. Just Google search and see what looks good. And so I've been rediscovering the pacing of and the difficulty of X-Men Children of the Atom and X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Those were wonderful games. They were, and it was a wonderful time to discover fighting games. Because if you want to talk about... My point in time where I remember the most nostalgia, it was going from Super Nintendo to PlayStation 1, having a Hollywood video in my town, and on the weekends would rent a PlayStation game for the weekend, and I would more often than not go to the Capcom fighting games. So I got to, and especially like, since the internet was not a thing, something like Darkstalkers 3? <laughs> Almost had a bit of that forbidden feel to it because I was so this was 1990 so in 1997 I would have been 12. So Morgan almost felt almost like a forbidden fruit like I shouldn't be as into it as I am because I'm just discovering things about myself. But it's so cool to just kind of go through that sort of stuff and just discovering games of that time. I could see that, yeah. It was one of my favorite things about getting a, a PlayStation 2 when that first came out, because I, I knew I missed out on so many great fighting games because I had an N64, and that had like two or three good fighting games on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I knew there were all these other fighting games over there that I couldn't play. So yeah. getting a PlayStation 2, I, I, I spent actually most of the first couple of years having that just buying up older games that I just missed out on, like Alpha 3 and, you know, your Darkstalkers, your yeah. Street Fighter collections and all that. Yeah. No, the backwards compatibility was such an ingenious move for the PS2 to uh, to do that. And I, I saved up all my pennies because 2000 I was 15, and I remember specifically reserving at launch a PlayStation 2 with... SSX1 and DOA2 Hardcore were my launch Love titles. DOA2 Hardcore. <laughs> Such a good game. It's still solid. It really is. Yeah, just, just the times I got back into it, it's just like... Like, DOA games have always been solid. It's just been, like, personally for me, the stigma of, you know, how people look at the visuals of it, because, you know... I love that DOA 6 is the game where everybody is beautiful. Well, 5 was as well, where everybody was just beautiful for all the right ways. But Koei Tecmo gonna Koei Tecmo, and 
Yeah. Hashtag core values was probably one of the <laughs> weirdest flexes that I have ever seen in in a fighting game community development. It's it was great for the memes. It was it was and for the reasons for it. But yeah, it's uh I wish that the DOA games got a bit more of a shake because again, that was my 3D fighting game of choice for the longest time because I felt like the Tekken games were just a little bit too clunky for my taste personally. I didn't really dive in and enjoy Tekken until Tag 2. That's about where I kind of got into Tekken as well. Mm-hmm. Who was your team in Tag 2? Oh, God, that was forever ago. I want to say it was... um. Wow, why am I blanking on her name? She, the purple-haired robot girl. Alicia. Alicia, there we go. I was thinking, like, Anastasia. And, uh... Armor King. <laughs> Ooh. Armor King, yes. Those two. That's, that's, a, that's a solid team right there. I I had uh I had at least three my my two main go tos were Bob and Simbob, <laughs> uh Asuka and Ling Xiaoyu. And then I would dabble with things like Raven and Kunimitsu and Sebastian and Boskanovich was my comedy team. <laughs> oh boy. The things you can do in that game that you shouldn't but it's so fun. I love it when fighting games are fun and don't take themselves seriously. It's just like in pro wrestling. When pro wrestling is fun and people are having fun, everybody should be happy. And it's the same way I feel about fighting games. Agreed. Just <laughs> let characters do fun things. It, again, I, I'm going back to it again, but Dive Kick was that for me. Just mm -hmm. so simple. It was just a blast to play. Even, like, it's one of those games that I would introduce my friends that really weren't into fighting games, and even though mm -hmm. they didn't get all, like, the insider references and they don't understand what this character represents at all, they still had fun because it's just a silly game that's easy to play. Mm -hmm. And the marketing was ingenious for that. The fact that at the uh, Evo and E3 booths and all that, they had a giant two-button arcade stick with just, like, colorful bumper buttons to it. Yes. I remember those. I wish I had one. <laughs> so, there is kind of a way to get around that. So, besides getting, besides getting a Brooks board and just programming that yourself, one of my favorite things that I was able to do, I read this on a forum once many years ago, get the Steam version. Get a GameCube to USB adapter. And get Donkey Konga Bongos. Oh my god. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> it does. Now the thing you have to be careful of is, I didn't realize this until I tried this, in the bongos themselves, there are technically two buttons. So it's like the top part of the bongo is one button, and the bottom part of that same bongo is a different button. Uh... So, if you're, so if you're going to hit the buttons on it, you have to make sure that you hit the you hit right the part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Still cool, though. It's, yeah. I want to eventually get, like, a Brooks board and get actual bongos for real and wire them up to be, like, get the haptic feedback of when you hit the bongo and just go to town on it. That would be, like, a dream scenario just, just for kicks. 
have an over-exaggerated just bongo controller, get people... Be the bongo controller the... guy at Evo? Be... <laughs> oh, That's one way to get on stream. Because, like, all the noise is like, what? Why am I hearing bongos? <laughs> oh, it's a side tournament for Dive Kick? What is this? Yeah, that'll get you noticed for sure. And know, the noise right? complaints. Oh my goodness, the noise complaints on that thing. I'll say. <laughs> oh, you know what? New game, Windjammers 2. I totally forgot. Ooh, Windjammers yes. 2 is coming out soon. It is. I'm it looking is forward to Windjammers 2. And the graphics look so good. They, they definitely took a lot... It really it, does. They took a lot of time with that. I love Windjammers. It's, That's a great game. It's fantastic. Again, so many, so many things to, to keep track of. I think just my priority right now is trying to save up eventually for either getting equipment or potentially getting into wrestling school. Those are kind of my big focuses right now is just try, oh, okay, trying, yeah. trying to make a living, trying to pursue those passions on the side as well. But, uh, but yeah, also just like just following development for the eventual Street Fighter VI. And hope that they have learned their lessons from five. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'm excited to get away from five. I, I've had my fill. Yes. Um. I think. Uh, I think understatement for quite a lot of people. Like I appreciate that during this tail end, they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And there's definitely some good choices that are being made there, but. It just still feels like it's, it seems to be a more prevalent problem the longer games go on, is that it definitely feels like the newer characters get the most polish and shine, and then the older character. Like, I come from, like, anytime that I see something like that, like, for example, I don't know, Piccolo from Fighters not getting as much love as they used to, or Nappa, or anybody like that that was, like, a season one character, I get... Mm -hmm. PTSD from being a Orchid main in Killer Instinct and Season 3 did her dirty I was not a fan of the changes they made for Killer Instinct and once again I had to compromise and go to the dark side with Gargos to feel like I was accomplishing something yeah that a long enough life cycle for games like that it's, it's bound to happen like, some characters just go from being, like, the one you have, and then just enough small tweaks, and it becomes a completely different character that you don't mm -hmm. want to use anymore. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Gundam Wing Endless Duel is still perfect to me. Yeah? Is it? It's, that is definitely when it, when I was really discovering uh, ROMs and emulators of that time. Uh, my two go-tos were... Gundam Wing Endless Duel and TMNT Tournament Fighter for the Super. God, ROMs. I think when it came to ROMs, I mostly get like just games that I that were not possible for me to play. Like uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling 64 mm -hmm. 2 was like number one. That like I'm obviously going to get that one first. Yep. Just hearing about the roster in that game and just how kind of Similar enough to No Mercy, but not quite No Mercy. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's fantastic. I remember um, when I was a teenager completing, there was a Tenshi Muyo Tactics RPG. 
that uh, that that I got that I found a fan translation of, and I completed that. Um, I still, still to this day, have not completed Sailor Moon: Another Story, and I've heard that one's pretty <laughs> solid. And then um, I've dabbled a little bit in the Bastard fighting game. Um, that one is basically like really early, like Dragon Ball Z key blast levels of fighter for the Super. Like Super Seven was the only thing that kept that afloat. It's kind of hilarious. Mm. Uh, um, but yeah, so many, so many fighting games with so many different untapped potentials. Like World of Long Plays is kind of my go-to channel, like discovering games that I've never even thought about considering before. And it's like, why don't they use those kind of mechanics in newer games? It'd be, it'd be incredible. There's, there's always that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. I made a video on this once of, of um, this is wrestling games actually. Um, Rumble Roses, if you remember Rumble oh, Roses yes. on the PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. it had this fantastic system where you would set these goals within the match, and if you accomplished these goals in the match that you were playing in, mm-hmm. it would actually contribute points to changing your character's alignment between heel and face oh wow and that's how you would basically unlock the different characters like alter egos and different gimmicks and it's one of those things where it's like how isn't something like this in in more wrestling games where you can just naturally change your character over time Mm -hmm. and it's it's so good and it's one of like those just small redeeming factors rumble roses it's not that great of a game but like that one little mechanic makes it like mm-hmm. incredible and worth playing yeah it's i the only reason that i spent as much time as i did on rumble roses is that it was the the closest equivalent to a smackdown here comes the pain like it played like yes. here comes the pain to me it uses the same system as here comes the pain oh does that's it okay that's that... it uses the same engine a lot of the animations are still the same Okay. It directly uses the Here Comes the Pain. That's cool. I didn't uh, know that. Engine. Yes. Which, uh, I think they changed it for the sequel, so it, the sequel's not as good. <laughs> no, I have heard... I have only heard the stirrings of Double X. I have never actually gone out of my way to find footage. Probably better that way. It... It feels like one of the... It came out a year after the original Rumble Roses, and on a new system. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it still looks like a PlayStation 2 game just running on a 360. Mm-hmm. So it's slightly better, but not good enough. There are no new characters. They just imported the original cast over and gave them like a couple new gimmicks. It, it doesn't make up for it. It is grindy as hell. It has a really confusing UI. It's not a good game. Oh, man. It took away the the system that I was telling you about, the alignment system. Yep. You'd unlock characters just like going through their mm-hmm. story mode or whatever. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it is unfortunate. It does have Metal Gear Solid 3 costumes in it, though, but you have to grind so long to get them that they're not worth it. Yeah, it's like the same kind of air quote bonus with... I appreciate the the partnership that DOA had with Microsoft, but it's still weird that the last costume that you unlock is wasn't it like a uh, either an Xbox gamer or a Halo Master Chief variation for everybody? Oh, I don't know about that. I know in DOA three or maybe four there was like 
a secret character that was just a Spartan. Yep, there was four. Uh, I remember hearing, was four. Rumb- okay, I remember yeah. hearing rumbles about that because, uh, yeah, it was that was supposed to be a selling point for the 360 was because DOA 4 was a launch title. Yes. Weird, one of those just bizarre secret characters in a fighting game. Yeah. Like Pac-Man in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, but only for <laughs> the PlayStation version. Bad box art Mega Man. Bad box art Mega Man, yeah. I remember they they put budget behind making a cinematic for him to promote that, and I'm like, yep. Mm, mm. St- I haven't gotten around to playing that. That's up. That's on the Vita. I should get around to playing that. <sighs> I will say, that was the game that stung me so much that for the first time I was hesitant about pre-ordering a fighting game. After that, I could see that. I it was. Fine. Not great. It's fine. See, for for me, I don't know what it is. The I think so one of the reasons that I was never really heavily into MVC3 is I don't know if it's because of the way my muscle memory works with buttons or controllers. It doesn't matter if it's pad or on a stick. I always accidentally trigger the X Factor. And the exact same thing <laughs> happens with Street Fighter Cross Tekken that I always accidentally trigger Pandora. And that takes yeah, away that's... any enjoyment with trying mm-hmm. to learn the game. I don't know what it is. And I I don't even think my fingers are, are that sausagey. Just it just so happens that I'm mashing things so much that the control's like, oh, okay, you want it? No! Not ten, ten seconds, seconds into the mash. I mean, for for me, Cross Tekken at least did the thing of, I like seeing these Tekken characters. In a lot of cases, this is my first time seeing a lot of these Tekken characters, and honestly, it got me to buy Tekken Tag Tournament 2, so I guess Cross Tekken kind of did its job in that sense. I got into Tekken because of it. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's very fair, and I think... I think they did an adjustment at the tail end of it, because one of the other things I didn't like is that you had to spend meter to tag out. And I oh think wow, that, was that the case? I I, th- I remember that at launch. That I think it's uh, yeah. I I again, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I could have swore that it was either. I don't think it was raw tags, cost meter. But I think tagging during combo. Oh, okay, did cost yeah, that makes meter. more sense. That makes more sense. I think I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but I think it might. I don't remember. It's been long enough. It's been long enough that those memories have been suppressed of any knowledge that I could have gained from that. Yeah, it had potential. I think the thing that I do remember the most was the thing that threw me off the most was Chung Lee's rapid kicks was a uh, half circle forward. Yeah, it's a little weird. A bit, when it has, in the history of any tag game she's been in, not the case. <laughs> you live and learn. You live and learn. Yeah. And then they and Don't... then they port them over to Ultra 4. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did kind of kill the hype for new characters, because they're already there, you know what, they're, they, you know they're what you're They're already getting. there, but the thing that also, like, really, inf- it didn't... I shouldn't use infuriate because that's such a strong word, but the thing that was a bit of a head-scratcher was every single character 
in four had a reimagining of their original theme from when they debuted. That is not the case with any of the Ultra 4 new characters. You go back and listen to Relento's theme in Ultra 4, it is not the same theme when he debuted in Alpha 2. Mm. I don't remember enough. It's no that's that's very fair, but I actually took the time to do a side by side Hugo's was, I th- think if I remember the third strike stage. Poison's understandable because she's a new character. And yeah. then I think Elena was the only one. No, did they actually have beads in my hair? Or was that a, was she super four or was she ultra? I'm forgetting. Shh. I want to say ultra. Yeah, no, she was ultra because super was like a like jury and Dudley that, and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so like I think out of those characters, Elena was the only one that got the theme right out of returning characters. Mm-hmm. Because can't forget that. Can nope. Those They're are in your head. That, that yeah, that it, it's literally living rent free in your head. Take your podcast to the next level. You are one step away from making it a reality with Anchor.fm. Powered by Spotify, it gives you the octane you need to jumpstart your project and target the earphones that need to hear it. Take that project to overdrive with modulation pools and statistics so you can tailor make your content to drift into the top slot of platforms like Google, Apple Podcasts, and any RSS capable feed. Anchor.fm makes it easy for your voice to be heard, so don't force out now. You are born to do this. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Check the is called the final fight by opening a loyalty free traffic. I rate on their pet. Now let's return to our regular scheduled program and any advertisements that are out there listening. Let me in again. or things of note or interest that you want to share with us before we attempt to ride off into the sunset? Uh, being a content creator is hard. That's, yes, it that's is. That's what I'll say. And uh, especially as it's more competitive than it ever has been, especially with as much face planting or step breaking as Twitch has as of lately. You are kneecapped so heavily on every <laughs> platform doesn't matter where you are Mm -hmm. they do not want you to succeed it's you have to be an early adopter to be good Mm -hmm. or you have to have that one viral hit or know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody with 10 million views yeah or tiktok i have a tiktok i'm not very good at it it's one of those things where um it feels like in order to be really good at TikTok, you have to use it consistently. Like, you need to be on that thing all the time. You need to mm-hmm. be constantly uploading new stuff, because the way TikTok 
at least for me, the way it feels like it works is you, you put out your video, it'll do whatever numbers it's going to do for like three days, and then nobody will see that video again, ever. Correct. Because it's buried in the algorithm of that many people posting up new content. Mm -hmm. It's not like YouTube where I have videos that are like four or five years old, but they still get like 30 views every month. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty cool to me that people are seeing that stuff that's that old. Yeah. But with TikTok, that's just not a possibility, it feels like. No, it's uh, it definitely uh, does not reward evergreen content in the slightest. No. I also, I tried getting into TikTok. I can't figure out how to TikTok to save my life. And meanwhile, I have former co-workers that are making a killing at just doing a bunch of amazing things because of all the audio splicing stuff you can do. And it's, uh, if there's one thing that I need to, there's two things that I feel that I need to get coaching on in order to become a better entertainer, performer, what have you. And that's voice acting lessons and TikTok lessons. Both equally important in 2021, I would say. It feels like it. For me, at, at the moment with TikTok, I mostly just use it as a place to kind of test the grounds on an idea that I might have. Just a small idea. Maybe if I like the way that it comes out, maybe I'll turn it into a full production. Mm -hmm. Or the alternate is I'm taking old content and just re-editing it so it fits on a TikTok. Mm -hmm. That's really all I'm using TikTok for right now. Well, and the thing that's amazing is that TikTok is definitely becoming the running competitor because everybody is wanting to be a TikTok. You look at how much money YouTube is throwing into their shorts format right now as a direct response to TikTok. Yes. It's like it's like how there's uh, in console wars, there's a once in a generation technology that everybody tries to emulate. Back in the Wii, everybody was wanting to be Wiimotes. And I feel like to a certain extent, TikTok is sort of the Wii mode of the industry right now. You can try to make something like it, but they already beat you to the punch. Mm-hmm. That's why Fleet on Twitter died so quickly. Yeah, that didn't last very long, huh? No, no, it did not. That's a shame. I, I didn't use it as much as I probably should have, but... Eh. Arguably, I just posted my Instagram stories as Fleets. Yeah, that's fair. Because Instagram stories, they have a lot of tools to make things look good. So, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're just about ready to wrap things up. I want to say, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join me and, uh, share the gospel of Shadowloo Industries and, uh, and just talk shenanigans about, about what makes fighting games so great. And, uh, All Sharon hail Lord Post. Bison. All hail Lord Bison, absolutely. <laughs> Fun story real quick while I'm thinking about it, and then we'll uh, rise off into the sunset. I mentioned uh, earlier about Red Bull Battlegrounds when I went to, when, when they came to Seattle. Even though I didn't perform well, and the spectacle and all that was amazing, the one thing that I will remember is the commissioned cosplayers that were present there. So I was actually off camera when you saw that shot. We saw Justin Wong doing the Karen pose with the Karen and the Cami cosplayer. I was off shot near the Rashid and Bison cosplayer when that was all going down. And I 
loved the Bison cosplayer because not only did he look the part, he stayed in character the whole time. Oh, that's wonderful. That's the best. Excuse me, Mr. Bison. That's Lord Bison. Yes, Lord Bison. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, t- tell me, I, I just need to I just need to ask, how long did it take you to make that costume? Well, I didn't make the costume. My servants did it for me, but it took them about 17 hours. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, naturally, I, I had to get into character, and when I saw him, uh, I said, My son, for me, it was Tuesday! And he did the he and uh, stick out his uh, claw into the... Cosplayers and character are great. Cosplayers I love that stuff so much. It, it's so good. It's like... When you see a Ken cosplayer going down the escalator and uh, you make the Hadouken motion and he does the Hadouken motion back, you're going to eat that Hadouken because it's just respectful. It's what you do. You respect it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, that to me is one of the many, many reasons on why fighting games are so great. So before we go, as is tradition with any first-time guests that we have on the Renegade Roundup, we are going to do a rapid-fire, or let the the thoughts simmer in your head, that's fine too. These are questions that are modeled after Inside the Actor's Studio by James Lipton, rest in peace. And he, for those that don't know, he concluded every one of his shows with the same 10 questions. I'm going to repurpose, maybe take out a couple of them just to just for the purposes of because of the nature of some of these questions, but whatever whatever comes to your mind, whatever your first thought is, just go ahead and run with that. So, Mr. Red Meccano, are you ready? Lay it on me. All righty. Firstly, Mr. Red, what is your favorite word? Not necessarily curse word, just favorite word. I'd probably say fantastic. I use that one a lot. Fantastic's a good word. Fantastic is definitely a word that elicits joy and uh, mutual jubilation. I, I think fantastic is is a great word that can be synonymous with many things and is uh there's i think there's never an inappropriate time to use fantastic agreed on the opposite end of that coin what is your least favorite word oh i don't actually think i have a least favorite word like there's there's nothing that i say that i don't like the sound of actually you know what author we're going with author only because I, I was reading, I was doing, making videos, and I had a lot of trouble saying that word. So, ah, author. Okay. Author. Even now, it's, it's kind of, uh... <laughs> yes. I, I need are... to over-enunciate it. I think it's the accent, because, like, I kind of have, like, a slight Boston-ish kind of accent, because I'm, okay. I'm, from, I'm from New England, so that sound just doesn't really work for mm-hmm. me. That, that mm-hmm. initial awe. Yes. Well, it's... I'm actually kind of surprised that you bring it up the Boston accent, especially because we were mentioning about about uh, retail and customer service woes. I will say definitely some of my most frustrating customers today, they were the thick Boston accent. And so the fact that's uh, 
kept a little bit in check. Also, my stepmother is originally from the Boston area. Um, eh, I used, good for her. I used, I used to say she grew up in Boston, and she spent most of her adult life in San Francisco. So when it comes to being a sports fan, she's a sore winner and a sore loser. Uh. But I'm dumb. Because yeah. I'm from because I'm from Seattle. There's a rib for you. You're welcome. Mr. Red, what makes you feel good? Seeing things come together, especially creatively, mm-hmm. anytime. Like, for as much as we initially just like not more than 10 minutes ago, we're talking about how content creation is so hard and how every system that's in place to try and succeed is purposely making it so you don't succeed so people that are on top stay on top get the ad revenue blah 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 Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day the thing that makes me happy the thing that makes it all of all of those struggles worth it is the actual work that goes into what you're creating the actual finished product of seeing what you're making Um, sure ultimately at the end of the day the reason i'm making the stuff that i'm making is because I wished somebody else was making what I'm making so I could actually like watch it myself, but nobody is. Mm-hmm. Nobody's looking at this 25-year-old movie and asking, hey, how much is this dumb thing in bison dollars? I have to do that. <laughs> yep. That's exactly the reason that this podcast exists is because, you know, when it comes to, you see usually the same old fighting game podcast or the same old wrestling podcast you hardly ever see both and i especially love just having natural conversations so there's no real formula when it comes to this and so i feel very humbled that being able to have such charismatic and well-versed experienced guests like yourself on the podcast i i am glad that i can say that this is a podcast that i listen to because it makes me happy reliving those experiences and going and reliving those stories that people tell. And I think that's the goal for everybody is making the content that makes you feel great and hope it elicits that same feeling to others. Exactly. But yes, I love it when a plan comes together. Mm-hmm. Feels good. It does. On the opposite end of that coin, what does not make you feel so great? Stress. Just, um, for me, the thing that kills me the most is that feeling like I'm wasting time because Mm -hmm. I know that that's time that I can be spent actually doing things that make me happy, whether it's this channel stuff or screwing around on Twitter or just playing video games or hanging out with people. Like, sometimes that just doesn't happen, and I'll find myself just kind of sitting around, not doing anything, just kind of disassociating and Mm -hmm. doing that at the end of the day and ends up making me feel even worse because i know that that's time that i could have spent doing something else but it just simply didn't occur sure and that really sucks it does yeah i uh i am definitely a advocate of mental health awareness because there definitely should be more of that and we should acknowledge and understand that the emotions of life are normal and they're a normal part of growth and uh, healthy human development and you know the stigmas that are attached to why are you so stressed out it's not it's not great 
when you have those kind of labels placed on that. So yeah, 100% that just sometimes that part of the roller coaster is not so great and there should definitely be more understanding of that. I 100% Absolutely. agree. All right. Next, uh, what is a sound or noise that you love? The sound of ice cubes when they first get wet and they kind of make that little crackling sound. Oh, I love yes. That. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite. That brings joy. That's cool. That's yeah, I can definitely I can definitely see that. I was a bartender a couple of times, so I can respect the sound of that. Absolutely. Yeah, clinking of glass, moving of ice, especially because it's usually associated with social settings as well. So there's almost that inherent memory that gets associated with that. You kind of just go back into a place in time where that rang true. And in pre-pandemic time, when we would go out and socialize and be with our friends. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite end of that coin, what is a sound or noise that you hate? Loud cars. Mm-hmm. Just in general. Just the over-excessive revving that, like, people that purposely make their vehicles louder yep. than they're supposed to be. I hate that so much. Just, like, street racing in general, that sort of mentality of, like, you're wanting to rev up your engine at the stoplight why yeah the other thing that also really gets me is when you have your your scrubs on the passenger side that yell so i i don't drive i usually walk around everywhere and i will usually have my headphones on and some people think that it's funny to yell at somebody on the street and try to get a to get them riled up yep i and those, I'm, those people I'm are also great. a pedestrian frequently so i sure. know what that's like yeah, it's uh yeah, it's not great. And if you're one of those people, you're an asshole. Stop it. Mhm. It's not great. Please. You know, we we only have so many nerves in our body, and you're getting under every last one of them. Uh, let's see here. You mentioned a little bit about your retail and customer service repertoire. You mentioned about your pharmacy experience and just everything that comes with it. So, so I don't need to emphasize that part of it. But what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I mean, if I can make this bison dollars thing work out, you know? Yes. That'd be pretty nice. I love nice. doing this so much. So mm -hmm. the idea that I could spend even more time doing it and putting out even more stuff, that... That sounds pretty cool to me. There you go. There you go. It's always good to have those uh, dreams and aspirations, and uh, teamwork makes the dream work, and uh, it's, uh, you're just keeping at it, and uh, hopefully you will reap the benefits of the fruits of your labor. It is hoping. It, it is hoping, for sure. Uh, on the opposite end of that coin, what profession would you not like to attempt? I've... I don't have it in me to do food service. That is that kind of customer service that I just don't think I am mentally equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you really you really get dunked on by mm -hmm. people that don't understand how anything works and are just 
the most selfish, the most self-entitled, you know, the ones that think that you don't deserve anything more than minimum wage. Like, get out. Mm -hmm. I applaud everybody in food service because I cannot do that. You are damn superheroes. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And you should be paid like superheroes, not like measly peasants. Mm-hmm. But, uh, one hurdle at a time. I would love to see further development in this everybody get a livable wage, everybody relieved of student debt, everybody being able to afford housing. That would be nice. I think that would be nice. Final question. I don't necessarily know if you are a religious man, but if heaven exists, what would you like to hear your God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You'll get him next time, champ. <laughs> that, yes. I appreciate that on so many levels. I, I really, really do, because uh, there is a little bit of that uh, reincarnation influence in there, which I, which I highly respect, and it also very much plays true with the fighting game mantra about insert coin to continue. I know, right? So uh, that's that is fantastic. That is probably that's probably my favorite answer out of <laughs> out of out of uh, everything that uh, out of all the answers that I've received. That is a pretty fantastic one right there. Well, I try, I try, and you did well. I uh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you uh, spreading the good word of Bison Dollars and of uh, Shadowloo Incorporated. And where can people find you? Plug all of the socials and all the things that you do. It's very simple. I made it very easy for everybody to find Bison Dollars. It's just at HMI Bison Dollars pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. It's all HMI Bison Dollars. That is perfect. I love consistent branding. And uh, are there any uh, projects that you have in the pipeline that you would like to promote? Or anything you're working on. There's a new spinoff coming uh, coming around that's uh, focused on Red Meccano reading poetry. It's going to be called Perfect Reads. I originally wanted to call it Hard Reads, but Core Gaming beat me to that title. Ah, gotcha. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I do, uh, I do, I do like Perfect Reads, and also that is fitting because not too long ago, a uh, a local wrestler in the uh, Washington State wrestling scene, he is known as the Poet Laureate Nick Radford. Oh, uh, uh, wonderful. That, that he has a podcast that he... Uh, so his shtick is that he reads risque slash erotic themed poetry, usually Ooh. about his opponents. Yes. Bringing that Joel Gertner energy with him. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well, I would like to say thank you so much for being a part of the Renegade Roundup and just reminiscing about fighting games, about uh, about our, our history and the uh, paths of wrestling and Street Fighter and everything that comes therein. And I welcome the opportunity to have you as a guest in the foreseeable future, especially if you need to 
plug more things like your perfect read poetry slam. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. Fantastic. Was, I'd love uh, to come back. Absolutely. That was uh, wonderful. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Game over! to yourself. You are your own priority. You matter.